such thing as a G-spot. Oh. Wow. What a way to be... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what, 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 what about whoa. an A-spot? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what a way to begin a, 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 a show, a radio show. Holy smokes. A podcast. Where'd that come from? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Apparently, the G-spot. Apparently. <laughs> just want to make that very clear. Just, you know, wanted to, wanted to make sure that we were on, that we all had the right opinion, the right view on that. Uh, that view is the right one. That, thank you. Just We're just confirming that. Thank you. <laughs> You're just making sure, making sure, you know, talking about the important things here on the Andy and Amanda show. This is the Andy and Amanda show, folks. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good whatever time it is in your corner of the globe. It is Andy Kimball here in the USA and Amanda Love in the UK. Uh, we're going to yeah. do it to it one more time here on our Friday show. Another week behind us. I can't believe it. With a lot of fun. And wow. uh, we, we had some guests on, I think. I don't. I, it's been a fun week. Haven't we had guests? I don't remember. Yeah. We, what, we did. Week? No. Yeah. Did no. We? we didn't have any guests this week. No. That, was, that was last no. week. Yeah. Last week. Oh, yeah, man. See, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I get it. yeah. It's okay. It's okay, darling. I, I, I Listen, this is the way it is. I guess it is. I guess it is. I, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it is. So <laughs> it's all right. It's been a long it week. is. It, it's been crazy. There's a lot going on. Always a lot going on. Some things to talk about. Some things we don't care to talk about. And uh, <laughs> let's not talk about anything. So we have. Um, We'll just be quiet. Let's let our let's let our <laughs> listeners talk. Go ahead, guys. Go ahead, men. I'll women. Let the silence speak for itself. Yeah. Let them talk amongst themselves. Hey, listen. Okay. If you want to join us on the show and do the uh, talking on this show, hey, take it. As far as we're concerned, you can have it. Uh, listen. Um, no, really, join our conversation. Uh, we don't know where it's going to go. There's some things in the news we're going to talk about, and if you care to voice your opinion, your thoughts, your ideas, your concerns, your wishes, intimate details of your life, which is what we really want to know about. Um, <laughs> Can we get you know? Let's get right to the chase here. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Our number is five one five six zero five nine eight eight eight. You can also email us at Andy and Amanda Show at gmail dot com. Let us know what's on your mind today, and we'll talk about it. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about or not to talk about, and we'll consider that. I doubt it, but we might. Um, <laughs> again, five one five six zero five nine eight eight eight. Chimes you into the show. This show, folks. On the program in about 30 minutes or so, we're going to have some very, very special guests on the show and some very dear friends of mine um, who um, who I know from from my aviation career years past. Seems like another life. It practically is. But anyway, we're going to have uh, a, a couple of pilots who really made quite a name for themselves um, around the world. Um, uh, they are a recently retired Delta Airlines A330. A330 is a wide-body, incredible jet. A big, many of you may have heard of it or, or flown on one. And um, uh, we're going to have Joe Fahan, who's been a captain, and his wife Margaret, a first officer uh, of the A330. They've spent six years uh, flying around the world, flying thousands of passengers around the world, and have uh, enjoyed their experiences and meeting people and visiting interesting places, eating and dining at interesting cafes and doing some sightseeing all over the world and flying uh, as captain and first officer um, all over the world as well to do that. So we're going to talk to them about their experiences flying a jet. We're going to talk to them about the life of an airline pilot. We're going to talk to them being a husband and wife flying together in the same flight deck. 
and uh, which is very unique, very unique. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've heard of some uh, uh, parent siblings, you know, father sons, father. I don't know if I've seen father daughters. I don't know if I've seen that in the flight deck, but I know there's been, which is also very unique, I must say. It's very, it's very rare and very unusual where you have two family members uh, sharing the responsibilities of, uh, of flying a, a commercial aircraft uh, anywhere. Yeah. So, so uh, Joe and Margaret Fahan um, are, 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 they're famous. I mean, you know, they have 15,000 plus followers on Instagram. They've been written up in major magazines and newspapers. They've been interviewed on TV, on radio, on this show now. Um, and it's going to be wonderful to have them uh, joining us in right around 30 minutes so we'll talk about some flying we'll have some fun talk about their life together what they're doing now they retired in delta from delta in august we'll talk about that and what uh, prompted that decision um and uh, what their plans might be uh looking ahead um so we look forward to having them on the show but in the meantime there's been some great uh you know some uh some news going on in this country some news and uh (laughs) When is there not? When yeah, is there not? this is true. This is true. Um, I don't know how many of you may have caught uh, President Biden's press conference yesterday, his first one, um, and uh, since he's taken office, uh, you know, onto his own. And um, it's interesting because he was asked during that press conference about uh, his thoughts regarding the voter suppression bill that Republicans just passed. I mean, passed as law in Georgia. Um, yeah. He said that um, in that press conference that he thought it was sick. Probably who mimic Biden and some of you who might not care for him probably think I said it right about how he did say it. No, but he really didn't. He did say despicable. Yes, man did. Yes, he did. Yes. <laughs> My pushing of the tongue. I need a cup of coffee. I'm going to have an, uh, Amanda entertain you with her singing so I can get a cup of coffee here in a minute. But anyway, <laughs> I don't have anybody to bring in, with, in, our, in, our, in our coast-to-coast studios here. Just, uh, I'm by myself, so if I get a, want a cup Aww. of coffee, I've got to get it by myself. I know. I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're Very a one-man band. One-man band today. You bet. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, Biden, um, uh, you know, really, he called it uh, sick. And uh, um, the Georgia voters... Uh, agree with them. That's what's interesting. That's what's really interesting. The Georgia voters, by large majority, agree with him, showing wow. the number of people who oppose the part of Georgia bill that allows that state legislator to remove the power. Um, I mean, it's like 76% of the population in Georgia oppose that bill. It's unbelievable. Okay. 70% people in Georgia oppose the part of the bill that was passed that makes it easier to throw out ballots. That state officials, yeah. if they don't like the way the election's going, just toss the ballots. So, for example, if if a – I'm just going to summarize here. If a voter yeah. casts a ballot at the wrong polling location, even because they're given, let's say, wrong instructions on how or where to vote, right? but they showed up to vote. Yeah. They're, but they're eligible to vote. They're registered to vote. They're good to vote. They have the right to vote. Well, sorry, you showed up at the wrong place, and therefore we're not going to count your vote. Okay, there's one vote right. not counted. Uh, it'll make it illegal for anybody to hand out food or water to the people standing in long lines waiting to vote. Wow. So if, if, if there's long lines, and why might there be long lines? Because they want to curtail the hours of when the polls are open and make it more difficult for people to vote to begin with. Yes. And the percent of people that in the state who oppose that part of the bill is 77%. These legislators don't care about the people they represent. 
No. It's unbelievable. It comes across that way. Yeah. 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 It does, doesn't it? It's not just the bill as an idea is radically unpopular when you poll the people on the specifics of what's in the bill. It's radically, radically unpopular. Right. But Republicans in Georgia, eh, well, they don't care. Republicans wow. nationally do not care. They're not trying to win a popularity contest here, folks, are they? It's more like who needs to be popular and we can just make it a whole lot easier to overturn an election at our own will. We don't like the way yeah. it's going. Hey, let's change it. If the county votes for Democrats, let's say to the Republicans, can just remove the county elections board before they have to certify the results to put in your own people and have them refuse to certify it. Wow. So, so yeah, so if, if I – if the, I don't like the way that the, the, the poll, it's, it's over, let's say, in Georgia, you know, that was, it was recounted three times at the cost of millions and millions of dollars, and there was never a doubt of, of who won that election in Georgia. The president, obviously, it was Joe Biden, and it was done yeah. three times, three times. And we talked about that at the time, back when. Yeah. Right? So yeah. let's say after we vote, boom, voters in Georgia vote. Then the votes are counted. If, the, if, if a certain group doesn't like the way that, that count is going, they can refuse to certify it. Yeah. Let's just rerun the election or just declare that we found enough votes. We pre-calculated, and it turns out that the Republican won, not the Democrat. The Republican won. We recalculated we, we, we the, the tally here. Oh, the Secretary of State isn't going along with the scheme to overturn the election. Well, here, let's put, the, uh, let's put uh, uh, one of our own Republicans on top of the election, take him out of the picture um, so that um, the Democrat actually won. Well, we'll take away their victory. The Secretary of State's ability to stand up to do the right thing will no longer be counted. This is done, yeah. folks. This is now the law in Georgia. This is the law. It's on the books. Wow. And it's on the states that want to follow suit. Are we going to stand for that as voters, as Americans? Well, here's what's going to happen. It will be challenged in court. I don't care if it's law today. It might not be in the near future. And also, it provides a more of an impetus for Congress, which is we know the congressional number one uh, bill right here, which is on its way to being passed by Congress, um, will give the the federal government more of a basis to decide these these election laws, not local states. And so Georgia would not be able to do this because the federal guidelines are say, hey, every eligible voter should be able to vote. Oh, they also want to curtail yeah. absentee ballots. I tell you that they want to absentee. They're going to they're what? going to curtail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 And they, and they also want they also right now polls are open to eight or something eight o'clock. I think they want to curtail that to five o'clock. They want to close the polls at five, so when people get out from work, they can't go vote because the polls are closed. Oh my goodness! Now guess which group is most widely affected by this bill, which is law right now. Which what what group of of voters? What group of people? What demographic? What profile would we say would be most affected by this? Hmm. Hmm. <sighs> Hmm. 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 You know, I, I wanted to ask, you know, we, we contacted Richard Nixon a few times. We did? Yeah. And uh, and I wanted to um, find out what his views are. I did an interview. Like I've contacted him again. I tried to get you on the line here, Amanda, so you could hear our interview. We, we contacted the former president. It's very hard to at where he is right now to, to get in touch with him, obviously, but we did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we did. And I wanted to get his uh, his his view of of our reporting uh, here, oh, what, we're, what we're saying here. Right? What that saying. might leave in the minds of some of our viewers and listeners uh, a connotation of uh, which uh, would be inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Richard. Yeah. Well, no, we we tend to we do tend. To, I had a little debate with them because we do tend to source our information and we don't we don't report the news. We're not a news company. We come we comment on what the news is, is out there. You know, we speak to what the news yeah. is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I also asked him, uh, you know, what he felt about our reporting the news. You know, I, I did that because I was talking to him about this very subject of what we're talking to now about the Georgia election law that was just passed. It's great to have you with us, uh, former president. Thank you so much for joining our show again. What do you think of our commentary on the news so far? I have never heard or seen such outrageous, vicious, distorted reporting. Perhaps what happened is that what we did uh, brought it about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right the mm-hmm. mic. Mm-hmm. I also asked him... Uh, I was curious about this. You know how we are on this show, right? You know how we, yeah. what we, our favorite subjects and our topics and where we end up going with this crazy show of ours. Uh, and I wanted to know where, about his, uh, if there is an intimate life, if you know what I'm saying, where he is right now. I, I couldn't resist. This is the Andy Demanda program. And I wanted to just find out, you know, without being too nosy. You know what I'm saying? Right? Okay. 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 When people are pounded night after night, it naturally shakes their confidence. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll go we'll play more of that Nixon interview. I think uh, next week we'll hit it and, and play more of it when we reach out again and try to contact uh, the former president Richard Nixon and uh, and he's been kind enough and gracious enough to join us here on the Andy and Amanda show. Um, Good old Nixon. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, we yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice to know he's a fan of the show. Wow, what an honor! Yeah, well, well, you know, he, you know he, he's he, a smart guy, but he's a great guy. He's a great man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, which even further exemplifies why he is so great to come on our show and join us, because most people don't want having want to, want nothing to do with us. So anyway, for all I right. know, right? You know, no respect. Oh, you know what I mean? I know. I know. So sad. Makes mm-hmm. me upset. Mm-hmm. It's fine, Andy. I, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've got this. I've got this. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, what's going on there, my lovely well, wife? Well, it's, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody's ready for the weekend, that's for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. So, I'll dig into some news if I have to. I know it, it's, it's depressing, right, guys? But it, mm. it is what it is. It needs to be talked mm. about. So... Okay, so a little more information has come to light on the issues that we've had with the EU. Um, so the news is saying, um, you know, they, they've had this whole thing with a lack of vaccines that the UK is not providing the percentage we should be, that we're hogging it all for ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. So the EU have been saying that we've had an un- they've, well, we've had an unfair advantage with the contracts that we signed. However, EU was late to put an order in for the vaccines and the UK was quick off the mark with the order placements with various companies. So 14%, only 14% of the EU population has been vaccinated and the UK have 48%. But if we take this into consideration, the EU is huge in comparison to the UK for a start. 
so the BBC is saying that in June 2020, all 27 member states joined up to a scheme giving the EU central responsibility for buying vaccines. However, mm. mm-hmm. the EU was slower than the UK to negotiate a contract with AstraZeneca, which caused supply problems. So it also signed deals with Pfizer and Moderna, which uh, ran into early problems with production and distribution. Um, so in February, the European Commission president acknowledged the EU's vaccine failures, saying we were late to authorise, we were too optimistic when it came to massive production and perhaps too confident that what we ordered would actually be delivered on time. Um, but the EU have approved the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and has reached agreements to buy two other vaccines, the Sophoni, GSK and the CureVac, once they've passed clinical trials. Um, the other thing that's going on in Europe right now uh, is Germany is tightening its border because they've now classified France as a high-risk zone and is now needing travellers to test negative for COVID and quarantine just to enter the country uh, because France has reported more than 45,000 daily infections late on Thursday with 4,700 people now being treated in intensive care. Um, so wow. that's not good. Mm. That's not good at all. Um, I, I also see that the U.S. has passed 30 million coronavirus cases. Yes. Wow. Yes. 30 wow. million. 30 million. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, uh, in terms of cases here, they're still steadily dropping little by little, which is great. Um Other than that, there's not a, a huge amount to report in terms of COVID. Sure. Um, There's lots of other things going on, like a a British professor who uh, supposedly corresponded with a man called Only Ivan, seeking assistance Mm. to discredit an organization that helps bring Syrian war criminals to justice. He also asked Ivan to investigate other British academics and journalists, and the email exchange supposedly seen by the BBC reveals how a decade on from the start of the Syrian conflict, a battle is still being waged in the field of information and misinformation. Sounds all very intriguing. Oh, man, I guess. With, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. How, are, how are fuel prices there? Fuel prices? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. And the only reason I say that is because I haven't driven a car for nearly a year now. Mm. And um, so I, you know, going mm-hmm. near any fuel station, I'm, I don't know if the prices have gone up or down. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard anything in the news about any increases or. I don't. Know. I, as you know, I drive. I'm a proud uh, uh, owner and, and driver of a of a Tesla Model 3 and loving it. So I don't pay attention to gas stations at all. I go right by yeah. them. Ever. I have a couple other yeah. cars. I have, a, I have an SUV, which is quite a, a gas guzzler, although I drive it conservatively, so it's not, not so bad. We have another more economical car. So I, I have a couple of gas cars in, in addition to the Tesla, but I mostly drive the Tesla. Um, but I know, I have, it's been in the news that here, and I'm wondering there too, um, if, uh, if the rise, this apparently, seemingly sudden interest in rising gas prices um, mm. has to do with um, the new administration here, if Biden has anything to do with that. Um, you know, I think we talked briefly, I forget if it was on the phone or if it was in the program, I forget, but the, uh, um, we talked about the, you remember the, the, uh, the pipeline, the um, big Alaskan to Nebraska pipeline that uh, was proposed over a decade, a decade ago um, 
uh, one of Biden's first actions as president, one of his executive orders was the signing of, of an executive order that revoked that permit. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, you know, of course, put into action by the Trump administration and who also backed the project, obviously, and the Biden uh, halted the pipeline construction, citing environmental concerns. And and yeah. what prompts me to bring this up, not only noting the increase in, in fuel prices, um, we, you know, there's there's talk about is that because Biden is now in office and there's people posting on Facebook and other social media, um, commenting things like, um, uh, "Thanks, Joe is the owner of a trusted but gas-guzzling SUV." Um, you know, I appreciate your, uh, you know, taking off that pipeline as though the pipeline support, yeah, was had anything to do with the reduction in fuel prices when one thing has nothing to do with the other whatsoever. In actuality, gas prices have been going up since April 2020 when they, um, and then they were brought down because of. Uh, Shortly after, to as low, I think about a dollar eighty-five, dollar eighty-seven. That's the national average, not here in Southern California where I am. But we're usually about a dollar higher than that across the board, somewhere right around there. Uh, yeah. But they're now national average, about two seventies, right in the two seventies. I'm just said I think Joe's down in Florida. I have to find out when, where Joe Fahan is, what the fuel prices are there. But anyway, um, so that would be an increase in forty-five um, percent within about ten months. Since Biden took office, but the uh, bulk wow, of the okay. increase. Yeah, here's the interesting thing, though, right? Here's the interesting thing. The bulk of the increase came under Trump. In other words, the prices went up when Trump was president, and then they went way down while he was still president. But what portion of his term was that when they did go down? The answer to the question is during COVID. Right. Okay. So, so that's – and they dropped significantly. So the gas prices are higher now than they were under that last portion of Trump's presidency. But we can't disregard the first couple – three years of his presidency, folks, two and a half years, whatever that was. Yeah. Does stopping the Keystone XL pipeline affect what you pay at the pump? Really now? Really? Who's, who's posting this nonsense? Yeah. Let's, let's take a look at crude oil prices, which is really the source of the gas line uh, – um, not gasoline, the gasoline that you put into your car from the uh, day-to-day, right? The, you know, what what mm. are crude oil prices? Because that does regulate what you pay in in gas. Um, the price of crude oil is relatively stable, but uh, experts say that it's not connected to the Keystone decision and to any yeah. extent. Why? Because of basic economics. When you drop demand – what happens to the cost of goods? Do do do. Don't you love these questions? Do do do. do, 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 do. Uh, so really, that you drop you drop demand, the cost goes down. We have coronavirus, devastating, the most you know, obviously the most horrific crisis that I think our population has ever been confronted with. Yes. Airlines were grounding their airplanes, trains reduced, trucks, buses, cars, everybody's using less fuel. So demand went down considerably. Demand goes right. way down, the price goes way down. Yeah. Things are coming back up. 
Kings of, see, people, airlines are, you know, a, a good buddy of mine. I've got a lot of friends who fly for JetBlue, where I have a whole, net, whole community of JetBlue pilots that, that I'm yeah. quite friendly with here. My whole social life is really still in aviation. But anyway, another story. We'll talk to Joe about that. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, he flew the uh, inaugural flight uh, for JetBlue from Jacksonville to Los Angeles last night. And um, he, he's, I talked to him in the plane. We go over WhatsApp. We talk in the plane. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I briefed him on the weather. I tell him when to put the seatbelt signs on. Hey, you know, hey, there's going to be some thunderstorms ahead. You better put that seatbelt sign on, you know, while I sit comfortably yeah. drinking my cone of beer behind my desk here. Anyway, um, but no, but he, uh, I asked him how the, um, how the uh, loads were on that inaugural flight from Jacksonville to Los Angeles. He says it's full, full flight, full flight. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So we're starting to see, see things bounce back. We're also starting to see fuel prices go back up. Make sense? Yeah, so it does make sense. It makes sense. And it's the actual reason why we're seeing fuel prices go up. That's the reason why. It's, it's you know, demand for oil is increasing. More people feel comfortable traveling, either for leisure, for work, or whatever it might be. Um, but meanwhile, during COVID, U.S. companies have not invested in finding new sources of oil, partially because – 2020 was such a bad year for everybody. So the demand for oil increases, so do our prices at the pump. So right. the verdict here on the Andy Amanda show, increases in gas prices <laughs> are not connected to Biden's energy policies. Social media posts claiming otherwise are false. Da-da, thank you. Now moving right along, you're on the Andy Amanda show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yay. Yes, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Don't we go through the news fast, rapidly here? We just, we just cut right to the chase, don't we? They we want to right do it very quickly. We do. Well, we, we try. Well, I certainly we try. I'm not going to speak to you, Andy. You can speak <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> I, I can't get away with saying much on here. You know why? Because, you know, after all, I can't China speak doesn't too like me too much. They pay us billions and billions. That's- yeah. Um, See? You yeah. took the words right out of my mouth. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, I wish there was more exciting things to report in the news. And, uh, I don't mean that in the sense that I want some terrible things happening that you know, keeps people on the edge of their seats, but rather something a bit more interesting than COVID all the time or, you know, everything to do with uh, government or, you know, just mm-hmm. wouldn't it be interesting if, if the media covered all these wonderful and amazing stories as well, like positive stuff? I would well, love you know, that. You know what Trump said about the media? Of course. Yeah. That was designed to destroy the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just, not yep. just en- enemy of the people. Remember that? Enemy of the people? Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. But you're right about that. Uh, good news. Hmm, let me find. There's plenty of good news. Well, you, you, know, you and I are matched I, up because they're doing another Andy Demander show. I think that's like, yes. what, you know what better news is there? Yeah. We are the good news. We are the good news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, I, I've scoured the internet so many times to see, okay, what sources are there out there in terms of media that could provide these positive stories or unusual stories? Because that's always fun too. And my goodness, some of the stuff on there is just like, no, I can't really talk about that. People just don't want to know about that. And you don't find many positive things. I'm like, right, there needs to be a site dedicated to sharing and tracking down all these positive and wonderful things. That might be a little hard in this COVID situation, but hey. It might be. It might be. Again, I want to put out the number for our callers to chime in on this.
fascinating discussion as we solve the problems of the world here on the Andy and Amanda Show. It's 515-605-9888. Operators are standing by right now to take your calls. And if you want, because we do get emails um, during the week and in between shows, and it's great to get your response and your comments and your feelings and what you'd like us to talk about, which is pretty much nothing. Anyway, um, <laughs> you can email the Andy and Amanda Show at gmail.com. Um, if you're too shy to join us. So we want to thank our many listeners. Oh, Amanda, I tell you, we had a new country join us. No, uh, the, you didn't. The, the Philippines. The Philippines are now on board. We have listeners wow. in the Philippines now. So what's that? 16 countries, I think. Followers, Whoa. listeners, and so forth. Yeah, isn't that kind of cool? Hello there in the Philippines. Never been? Hello. Hello, my yeah. darlings. Thank you for joining us. Yes, very much. Appreciate uh, them coming on board and, um, and everybody else around the world who's listening to our show and uh, this is the Andy and Amanda program. If you just tuned in, and we appreciate everybody being here. Uh, we certainly do not uh, want to be here, but we are. So anyway, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just one, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, Andy. I can't get away with anything. I can't get away with You're anything. You're a contemptible lowlife for talking this way about this country. Yeah, that's what that's, <laughs> you know Who what said saying? that? Who said that about you? Us. Yeah, you know. Us? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, we're going to break for a commercial and we're going to, we have some guests joining us in just a couple of minutes here. We're going to be right back after this message and, uh, and stay tuned folks. You're not going to want to miss this conversation coming up. Dear mainland, aloha. My brother and I keep hearing about your fear of missing out. FOMO, running this way and that to try and do every little thing. Maybe you don't worry about FOMO. Instead, maybe you try a little slow-mo with a cold corner beer. But uh, you get FOMO. No more. One life, right? Don't blow it. Mahalo. Yes. And yes. cheers to that. And cheers to that. Kona beer. Kona beer is my, is my favorite beer. It truly is. It truly is. Um, I was introduced to it when I was playing some shows in Hawaii. The uh, producer who brought me over there um, took me to a, a, a microbrewery. I think it was a Kona beer place and asked me if I'd ever had Kona beer from Hawaii. And I had not and have been pretty much, uh, it's been my beer of choice ever since, folks. So we don't just uh, play those messages because uh, we get paid to. <laughs> we talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get we, anything that we like, that we enjoy, that we appreciate in life, that we are passionate about in life. We like to talk about on the show, and hope that you might see similar uh, responses from from those things, whatever they might be. Hey, listen, we have yeah. some amazing guests on our show, longtime friends. Um, we have Joe and Margaret Fahan, uh, as we talked about earlier, former. Captain and first officer on wide body A330 for Delta Airlines. Joe, Margaret, welcome aboard the Andy Demanda show. <laughs> That's a lot to live up to. I don't know. Hey, guys. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> welcome, both of you. It's beautiful to have you. Thank you. Thank you. That's, How are you guys? <laughs> we're, well, we're, 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 uh, we're, uh, uh, how are we, we're, man? Uh, 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 we're, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, 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 you have yeah, no Eddie? idea. No, not really. No. Do you ever? We do. Yeah, I've got some great cabinet announcements for you, but you're retired now, so you can't use them. Oh, I have some too, but I can't publish them because they're not exactly <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> my favorite, uh, you know, my favorite one, which I use actually, uh, you know, I was a, a pilot way back when, in a, in a, I think a couple of careers ago, I forget now, a few careers ago. Anyway, my favorite uh, cabin announcement was this. Because I like cucumbers. Can you? I'm the only one. I like cucumbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Used to kind of raise, raise the, you know, the, the passengers would kind of get it, you know. What? I'm sure that would get everybody's attention. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Or, 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 or another one might be, uh, you know, when flying, you know, I, I would do this. I would do this. I say, too. suburban women, love me. Please love me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did that, work, did that work out for you? Yeah. Oh man, we, well that's why I'm sitting here now. Can we talk? You know what I mean? Anyway, so. Sure. No. But anyway, um, so Joe, Margaret, um, we we've been talking about you actually on the show because you know, you and I Joe have been uh-oh. talking. For, for, uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah. Alarm. Anyway, you know. Uh, yeah. So oh. anyway, we we've been. Um, We've been talking uh, on and off for you know months about hey joining the show and getting on and then we well once, the show was yeah. very much occupied with the uh, election and post election and all the news that came up and you guys were busy just retiring and doing a lot of uh, getting a lot of attention yourselves and, and adjusting to your new life and it is wonderful wonderful especially because Joe and I go way back God, I, I, a lot of years and uh, and I'm going to uh, say about forty years oh my wow. gosh oh my gosh I know oh my wow. Gosh. Oh my gosh! Yikes! So you got Let me tell you something. This is how Andy and I got to be friends. He, he I went up to Philly to, to uh, visit him, and he says, "I got to show you this new game. This brand new game. You're gonna love it." It was oh Pac-Man. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? Andy? <laughs> yeah. We went to a bar, and he showed me this game that blew me away. I'd never seen anything so complicated as a Pac-Man machine, and there are already <laughs> guys that were experts at it. <laughs> That's how far we go back. I used to, I used to get, I used to go to the bar and just sit there like all night, you know, I just, you know, popping the quarters in and my high score was yeah. way up in the two hundreds, way up in the two hundreds. Oh yeah. yeah. Remember that? Way up there. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Way yeah. Up. yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago. A long time ago. Um, so guys, yeah. Tell us about, tell us about two things. Tell us first of all, as air, what is it like to fly and command a jet, I mean, let's say a wide body, a heavy jet with hundreds of people on board, like all over the world, from the process of, of coming on board and going through your checklist and taking off and flying and landing. It, it, you know, I, I see going forever about that. There's books written about that, but talk to us about that somewhat. What, what's it like? Tell our listeners. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of a matter of perspective. You know, when you're, when you're a brand new pilot, you think it's, uh, it's the end all and be all. And it, and it kind of is, you know, for that for that kind of flying. And uh, I think, Oh my God, I hope I could do that one day. And over the years, you gradually work up to it and you end up in that seat, you know, and it's, it's really great. And uh, now dealing from a uh, position of having been there and not doing that anymore, it was pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I look at the rearview mirror go, I used to do that. (laughs) Yeah, um, it's it's a pretty uh, good part of the uh, airline life. You know, it takes you years to get there, and and uh, you know, it's like our our kids thought, well, we do this all, we've done this our whole careers. Well, we didn't. You know, we didn't fly international wide bodies the entire career. We were in uh, Fargo and Bismarck, right. and Little Rock, and you know, plenty of places that weren't so glamorous. Yeah, we had those nine-hour layovers, you know, and uh, but Jeez. you know, you always remember wow. the good parts, so. 
the yeah. last uh, <laughs> yeah. well, we we were on the A three thirty for seventeen years. So I mean, it was I guess that was a good part of our career, um, yeah. almost half. But DC tens A three thirty. So about half our career really was spent flying that, and just because that was our choice. So you know, we we were very used to being in European cities, and I, I really we were more comfortable in some European cities than we were in some U.S. cities. You know. Mm. You know, no, you know you're uh, around, you might know a few people, you know, you know where you like to go, you see all the good stuff. I mean, it's great, you know. There's, I can't say anything bad about that. Yeah. So, the, now, uh, that we're, now that it's over, we miss being in Europe. Yeah. Oh. Sure. Amanda I'm still in Europe, let's have you back. <laughs> yeah. Amanda is I know, we can't wait to come back. Yeah. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Yeah. And and the the traveling and the getting because you retired now you took a early retirement which we'll talk about in a minute but you you retired now and um, getting up every day and and do you think about wow um, hmm hmm um, I, I can't yeah. believe I did that what did I do what what have I done <laughs> or, or 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 do you or is it kind of like okay I needed a breather and this is kind of nice and I've had this long career you know and it's kind of Okay, let's look at the next adventure. And I've been there, done that. I mean, what, where, where are you regarding that? You know, just getting right. up every day and, right. okay, here we are. Well, I'm sure it's like most people that retire after having a long career that at first you feel like, oh, I'm just on days off. And, oh, I feel like I'm on vacation. And a couple of months goes by. and Well, you, you do notice that you're sleeping better. You do notice you're sleeping better. <laughs> 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 we were up all night. Yeah. yeah. We're, ha- yeah. we're still having a little trouble breaking that habit. We're still up till <laughs> one, two, or three in the morning sometimes, uh, just because that's what we've done for so many years. Yeah. yeah, but we do miss it. We miss it it's, terribly. Uh, yeah. You know, it's such a big part of our lives, and and now to to kind of have it behind us, it's it's a little sad. It's um, it's something that came sooner than we thought, but we totally think it was the right thing to do at the time. You know, the circumstances and the the furloughs that were, you know, avoided by the big group of us that left early and, you know, a lot of families, careers, livelihoods, I, I think yeah. uh, stayed on track because of that. So knowing that puts it in the perspective of uh, it was totally the right thing to do. Yeah. And then we find we miss, we missed flying that airplane. We, we always loved that airplane. The 330 was just our favorite. <laughs> And then we miss the lifestyle and, of course, the friends that you go on trips with. You go go on trips with a lot of the same people and um, the places you're at. That's that's the kind of stuff you miss. I don't miss driving to JFK. I don't miss driving three hours to JFK or, you know, coming in a snowstorm, you know, things yep. like that. Speaking of the yeah. AB30, people talk about um, the automation of aircraft and sophistication of modern day aircraft and talk of the, mm-hmm. the future, the future of aviation, the future, you know, the, the flight crew will stand behind this glass panel and if, if need be, they'll break, it'll be like one of those fire in case of emergency break here and you can go into the flight deck. Um, <laughs> how, 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 uh, when you get in the airplane, you're ready to taxi out for takeoff. You know, from from there to landing, how how much of that trip is is pretty much all run by uh, computers and servo amplifiers and you know, uh, yeah, in an automotive. Well, we can't system. give away the secret. Yeah, we can give it. It's the hardest job in the world. We can give it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the automation is, is there, and and that's the state of that's the state of uh, our aircraft our time, aircraft, our state yeah. of aircraft, and. 
you know, we used to fly the old, we call them steam gauges, you know what those are, Andy, and, and uh, yep. Yep. you know, yep. mechanical gauges and stuff. And, yep. you know, you're, you, so now you've got these glass panels and it's all computerized, but you're, you're doing the same job. It's just that you have better information. There's, there's more work uh, pre-flighting, uh, pre-planning and loading all the data for the flight plan. Yeah. You're basically a... You know, systems operator, once you've programmed the aircraft to fly its flight path, uh, right. you're, you're just kind of watching and, and monitoring things. But there is, there is still plenty to do, and it, and, it, and it all works because of what we've done to program it and uh, our monitoring. I mean, there's still a lot of manual things that you're doing, but uh, the airplanes will always fly better up at altitude on an autopilot than than humans can. It's just going to be much smoother, and, and it's it's tedious to sit there straight and level for six hours, hand flying a plane to keep it at the same altitude. It's, well, Joe would make a student well, do yeah. that. You know, well, yeah. eight and a half hours yeah. nonstop. I was like that. Hand flying, no autopilot. Blindfolded. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then of course, takeoff and landing. We're always doing that manually, and that's that is the fun part of the of the of the job. Yeah, we we would fly pretty much to cruise and and. Uh, you know, kick off the automation for the descent, the approach, and landing. That was always a right. Fun That's part. where the skill and the art comes in. You know. uh, are, uh, do you ever find any two landings the same? There's a little. Everything's a little different every time no. we do it. No. No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> you know, I, I used to fly the 727, and, and I used to say that airplane was was a good plane, but sometimes it would just reach out and bite you. <laughs> You know, uh, there are times when you, you can't find the runway with both hands, you know, but, uh, yeah, the wind, uh, wow. different, you know, whatever's going on, but no two landings are the same. Mm. You know? Wow. And, and the, the flying together and, and uh, folks, if you want to check out Joe and Margaret and their adventures, they have, uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, what are the other ones? Infrared. I, I'm I'm not much on social media. Yeah. Whatever they're called. <laughs> they're, they're, they're in, uh, instant something rather. Throwing your AT&D. Uh, yeah. yeah. Our yeah. Man is, uh, we have a page on Instagram, flying Fahans, all one word, just uh, F-A-H-A-N-S, um, and that's that's kind of where we put all our aviation. Uh, stuff, pictures, and stories, I, and things like that. I enjoyed so. looking at your saw, posts, guys. I really did. Oh, oh, good. Thanks. Good, good. You're welcome. I, but, I recommend uh, people go check them out. Definitely. <laughs> well, thank oh, you. Well, you know how it started. Yeah. Yep. It, it started as a as a way to um, embarrass our kids. You know, they oh, they, really? <laughs> they sort of knew that. You know, they grew up knowing what we did, and and yeah, they were. Uh, less than impressed by it. So we, we had to kind of poke some fun at them. We started putting this, you know, the videos, the cockpit videos out on Instagram. Yeah. And they, uh, they came up to us one day and they said, we, we can't, we can't follow you. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> so that fueled the fire and we did it even more. We did it even more. <laughs> so, yeah. and now they, Blinded. and now they do it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, both, both, your yeah. Sons, both your sons are pilots now, which is a which is both, pilot, yeah. both sons are pilots. One flies for a regional airline, and the other one is in the Navy, flying for the Navy. Mm. So they were That's they were amazing. kind of doomed from the start. Oh, no. <laughs> what? Talk to us about flying together as husband and wife. I mean, does one ever tell the other? Do you remember to take out the trash? I mean, what, what's that, what's that like? What? What? <laughs> that would, that would 
be my wife. Solid question. Uh, <laughs> you, you can call me the admiral. Joe might be the captain, but I'm the admiral. That's right. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know, we uh, we we weren't always on the same airplane um, the whole time. And uh, when our kids were little and growing up, we we would fly opposite schedules because one of us we wanted one of us to be home at all the time with the with the kids as they got older. And very yeah. occasionally we had an opportunity to fly together. That was kind of a novelty. And and then um, when both our boys got to be college age and they both went off to college, it left us home alone. And we said, well, let's let's try flying a trip together because now we don't have to be home at all. So we yeah. did that, and that was fun. We had a great time, and, and uh, well, you know, let's just keep doing it. So we started doing it, and we've been flying together since 2015, was it? I think yeah, because the last six years yeah. of our career, we flew practically every trip together. And, wow. uh, of course, that got out. That got out. <laughs> and uh, yeah. the, uh, the, 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 common, the common comment that we would get, would be oh, I don't I know how you them. how can you work with your spouse I can never work with my spouse I I, I got to get away yeah. from him you know pretty common uh, remark her it was yeah. mostly get away from her get away from her oh yeah maybe wow. and uh, I used to tell him I used to tell him you know one day you're going to be retired and you're going to be together all the time so if you can't get to get along together now you know you better figure it out but that's um, very true that's very true. You, you know what, but when we fly a trip, first of all, th these trips are long enough where we always have an extra pilot. So we do take turns. One person mm -hmm. gets to go on break pretty much all the time. Uh, you know, we mm -hmm. rotate through. So you're, you're not sitting with each other the whole flight. And then... Yeah, it's broken up pretty well. Yeah. And then when you get on the layover, uh, think about it. You're away from home. You're away from all the issues of being home. You know, the furnace breaking or, or the dog or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, you're really kind of on a little mini vacation you're on a date and wow, it becomes beautiful. oh let's go out to dinner let's go out with our friends let's go see the sights it ends mm. up being pretty enjoyable you know yeah that's, I, 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 was, I also said i always have a dinner date <laughs> nice oh i love that I, I, that's beautiful i remember um, being on i was with a company that's netjets it's a you know very large corporate uh, yeah. fractionship and charter company and when we would have uh, issues or gripes with management or marketing you know we have these boardroom meetings you know with pilots and management and and they would they would say you guys are taking these mini vacations all over the place and you're complaining you're complaining but um the um but I, it's funny because I was going to ask you, um, have you had any issues in the air? Any, anything where you had to uh, resolve a crisis or something that didn't go the way you planned uh, you, that you two had to handle together or individually? Um, in other than the occasional drunk passenger, I've been pretty lucky. Not much has happened to me at all. Uh, Margaret's mm -hmm. the one you want to talk to about that. She's had a few events. Uh, I, I think I'm the lucky one here. But, I mean, I've. I've had to dump fuel a couple times, but mm -hmm. uh, when we had to go back to the airport or something, but it wasn't anything major. Margaret had more of a more of the major issues. In her. Maybe I flew older airplanes. You might have. <laughs> you might have. Yeah, she's, had, she's had the engine fire and the fuel leak, really, and hydraulic oh, failures wow. and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I was flying on 9/11 too. That. That's that, right. That oh wow. A, that, yeah, what? that was a tough day. Talk to us through that. Like, were you you in the air when all this happened? You were you were flying, nine eleven. Yes, I was. Um, we uh, I was on the DC ten, and um, mm -hmm. we were coming out of Rome that morning. And the uh, the inbound flight, which was the airplane that we were 
taking back to Detroit was mm-hmm. late. They were about three hours late. So that put us behind schedule, which was probably a good thing. And mm-hmm. um, we took off, and we had a, a little different routing that day. Normally when we came out of Rome, um, we flew over Switzerland, maybe part of Germany, possibly Holland, and then France and out uh, over the ocean. But this trip was planned along the the coast of France. So we were talking to the uh, French air traffic controllers. Mm -hmm. And at that time, you still had to get your clearance uh, on the voice, on the voice radio. Now it's all computerized. You know, you type in a text message and it comes back to you. But um, we were trying to get our clearance to cross the ocean that day. And it was... um, it was kind of chaotic on the radio. You could hear a lot of chatter that wasn't normal. You know, normally you try to keep your conversation with air traffic controllers to a minimum, just what what you need. And they were talking yeah. about um, airspace that was closed, and they were talking about terrorists, and they were talking about bombs and mid-air oh and sniper things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, but they didn't have all the information correct. Um, yeah. They, uh, you know, they were cryptic about it, too. I'm not sure if it was on purpose or not, but uh, they basically told all the aircraft. We were the fourth in line. There was Alitalia, um, Lufthansa, and an Air Canada flight in front of us, all trying to get their oceanic clearance for that portion of the flight. So they they basically said uh, North American airspace is closed, which when you hear that on the radio... Andy, you know, you, have you ever heard that before? Yeah. No. Never. No. Oh, no. Uh-uh. no, I never did in my so, life. Yeah, yeah, and there was no direction as to what to do next. And um, wow. after a few exchanges with air traffic control, they told all the aircraft to return to their points of origin. And we still didn't know what was going on at that time. And um, so the uh, the Lufthansa flight got a clearance back to uh, Frankfurt. The uh, Alitalia flight went back to Milan. And that left Air Canada and, and us at the time it was Northwest um, trying to get back into Italy, and they didn't want us in their airspace. They didn't want mm. an American aircraft in their airspace. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, so gosh. the Canadian, the Canadian uh, aircraft went to um, Zurich, and uh, we were sort of left on our own. They were asking us what we wanted to do, and we couldn't get a hold of the company. We couldn't get a hold of operations in uh, Rome. Mm. So we, the three of us in the cockpit decided, well, let's, uh, let's, let's try Amsterdam. You know, they, they might take us. But at that time we had a, uh, a co-chair agreement with KLM. So we knew there was a lot of um, support there for an aircraft coming in with 300 passengers. Yeah. Mm. So we, uh, we had to dump some fuel and uh, we proceeded to land in Amsterdam and it, it you know, it took us uh, about a week to get home after that. But wow. uh, we really didn't know what happened. So we landed in Amsterdam at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon their time. Yeah. So that, I think that was the, the most life-changing event, you know, that I had. Besides the engine failures, the fuel leaks, the hydraulic leaks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's something you train for. You know, you train yeah. for all those things in the simulator. But, but an event like that is... Um, you know, once in a lifetime, you hope. Of course, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Ian, that's uh, well, and you had all all along while this was happening, you didn't know specifically what was going on, correct? You didn't. You had no idea what would, the severity of what we was happening. We did not. 
we did mm. not. When when we finally got a hold of um, of you know an American speaking uh, radio operator, I I honestly mm. can't remember if it was uh, operations in Paris or um, the uh, the control in Amsterdam or uh, operations control. They still didn't really know. They told us that there was a midair in New York, and they told us that a bomb exploded at the Pentagon, and yeah. and that's kind of what we the information that we had at the time until right. we landed. So, so I'm not sure if that was the uh, plan, you know, to keep everybody calm yeah. or, or just to, um, you know, that that was all the information they had. There was, there was a lot um, of confusion. Yeah, there was day. a lot of confusion that day. Yeah. When we were talking to the French air traffic controllers, Andy, you'll get a kick out of this. There was so mm-hmm. much, you know, querying and questioning and, and, mm-hmm. um, kind of unknown, and, and all of a sudden, the French air traffic controller, I think it was Marseille control, he says, okay, everybody on my frequency, just stop. Just stop. <laughs> you know? Wow. <laughs> he, said, uh, he said, North American airspace is closed, and Air Canada comes on, and they go, we're not going to North America. And then it was dead quiet. Yeah. And then I think oh, someone tapped him on the shoulder and reminded him where Canada really was. But it was a very strange day. That yeah. had to have been oh, for everyone. Yeah. Uh, speaking of everybody, stop. I was uh, early, way early in my, my own flying career. I was a flight instructor for an organization uh, called Flight Safety. And um, I, I was a you know, oh, yeah. instructor. I just graduated Embry Riddle. You know, there was a you know new graduate, and I got it, hired as an instructor in Vero Beach, Florida, at their primary training facility, where they had a lot of airline contracts at the time. Uh, it was Air Iran, uh, I think Lufthansa, Swiss Air, Saudi Arabian Airlines, and I taught a lot of Saudis and uh, Air Iran pilots, and who barely spoke English. They did, or else they couldn't. Oh, come, sure, they, yeah, yeah, barely did. And what would happen? Uh, the adventures I could tell you, I, I could probably. Go on, but there's. Uh, I remember one time um, I was coming back in with a student toward Vero Beach, and you guys are in Florida. You know how you get those air mass thunderstorms that move up and down the coast around three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. and they, yeah. they come, and you know it's going to rain for a little bit. It cools down, and then they move off, and it's sunny, hot, and humid again. But you see them all the time, and you you know as pilots, you you know there's there's isolated. You just stay away from them, or if you if you're a student or whatever, and you're you're afraid, just land somewhere, wait till it passes over, and be on your way. But um, one time I was coming in with a student uh, to Vero Beach on a cross country. And across country, when you're flying, uh, folks, and learning to fly, is a trip uh, within a given distance. It could be 50 miles, it could be 100 miles, whatever it is. And they, they, they term that as cross country flying when you're learning how to fly. So um, I was coming back in with a student, and there's a, a thunderstorm moving up the coast, as I had described. And all of these Air Iran and Saudi Arabia folks out there soloing, practicing maneuvers are all headed back to Vero Beach Airport at the same time. I mean, they're 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 carrying back this poor guy in the tower, and some of them would forget their English. They go, "Hey, he but a hoover," and the guy in the tower is like, "What? Who? What?" And then, I, and this is really, and there I am. I couldn't get a word in. I couldn't. I couldn't keep my mic. Mic. It was unbelievable. Then the controller, just like what you oh. said before, the controller comes out and says, "Okay, everybody, stop where you are." <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing, I'm picturing, I'm picturing Fred, Fred Flintstone. And then the very next thing that happened after he said that, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, there was a, a brief second of silence. I'm thinking, okay, I can now maybe say something here. And then comes this voice, hello, yo, this is me. Open up the runway, please. Here I come. 
¿Aló? ¿Aló, yo? And I figure, oh, that I had, I love being a flight instructor. I'll tell you. And, and you were all, you were all, you were a flight instructor, Joe. You started your flying career working at an airport. I did. And- I, I taught for a couple of years. And, and, and as a side note, our son instructed at flight safety at Vero Beach for a while yeah, too. Yeah, he did. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I, I gotta tell you, life, I, life I goes love, on. It does. It does. I had a great life living in Vero Beach. That that was. A lot of real highlights in my life, but uh, my my flight schedule was I scheduled students early in the morning, and then I was I, to this day on the beach. I followed the sun. I followed beaches and sailboats, and you know, job. Give me a beach on there. Um, but I would uh, get students in the morning. I'd go home and change. I'd hit the beach in the afternoon. Then I'd go back and fly some students in the evening, and then I'd go home and grab my guitar and I would play uh-huh. some of the some of the pubs up and down. You know, from Melbourne, Vero Beach, Stewart, that whole area with a couple different guys sure. and bluegrass folk music. You know, back then, Running on Empty just came out or whatever. You know, early Jackson Brown and bluegrass. And we used to uh-huh. finish the show yeah. playing good old Rocky Top, Tennessee. And and that was my life. And I, and I feel like, God, you know, it was just so cool. You know, beach, you know, playing guitar at night, you know, having some fun with students in the morning. And and, um, I, and, and I moved up north and uh, I used to kick my – I moved up north at the time to uh, to follow a love relationship. You know, Aww. you know, I did, Aww. I did, <laughs> sentimental romantics, you know, some things never change, you know. I think the, um, the flight safety school is closed now, Vero. I think they've shut down. That's what I heard. Yeah. yeah. yeah wow. No, no, no. My yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, I know. End of an yeah. mm. Sorry. 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 <laughs> Oh, there was a pause there. I just thought I'd uh, jump in with something for you, sweetie. Um, but please continue. I'll, I'll ask you the question afterwards. Oh, go go, go ahead, yeah. Amanda. Feel free. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just Mar- going to... Margaret was uh, a... Uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to mention that, you know, um, with people knowing that you guys are coming on the show, that they said that they didn't actually see many female pilots. And was that more of a common thing than people realized? Or uh, are we just not paying attention? <laughs> no, you. Everyone, it, it is. It's a very sad um, statistic. statistic. Yeah, uh, they yeah. have now. I I believe they are now saying that they're almost at seven percent of the pilots flying at the airlines are women. But if you think of that okay. number, it's a really small percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, when uh, when I was at Northwest and Delta, I think we had uh, we had about five percent. So okay. you know, if you think about that number, it's just it's such a a, a small number, and um, yeah. it hasn't really changed that much in the thirty five years that I've been there. Wow! Oh, yeah, you're, you're a diamond I, in the rough, sweetie, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> <She's> a pioneer. <laughs> I've heard it my whole life. Uh, yeah, and, you know, there's it's uh, there's organizations now that encourage women more to fly, which was they weren't there back when we started. Yeah, there's there are female pilot organizations, and you know, I yeah. think they're making making progress, but it's painfully slow. It is. There are a lot wow. more um, a lot more gals starting out. Uh, you know, in the intermediate levels, the beginning and intermediate levels right now, but. Uh, 
the airlines haven't hired in a few years. It's It's been maybe on the slower side, but I'm hoping that once, uh, you know, everybody gets vaccinated and we, we start traveling again, that airlines will yeah. grow, expand a little bit. And I think you'll see more, more girls up front. Wow. Okay. Margaret, yeah. when you started your career, did you go through the instructor, um, you know, private commercial instrument, multi-instructor, build time, airline job, or how, how did you, I, how did you evolve? I instructed in gliders. Wow. I had, when I came to Southern Jersey, Andy, I had more glider time than airplane time. <laughs> really? Whoa. I did. Whoa. I did. I had a lot more glider time. And I think by the time I got hired, um, I was at Republic Airlines before Northwest and, and Delta, just products of mergers. But um, I had about, I had a pretty much equal time by then. I had about half my time was glider time and half my time was in airplanes. But I, I never instructed in airplanes, only gliders. Wow. Which I, used probably to tow, uh, I used to tow gliders and tow banners and, and um, crop dust and do really? all that real fun flying. You did the real yeah, stuff. You did the real stuff. Over Oakland Stadium. <laughs> did you, do you have, a, did you have a, a leather helmet and a scarf? <laughs> no, but I should have one. <laughs> did you, you know, I, uh, tell you, I did wear a parachute every now and then. <laughs> it, it, it's funny. Oh, a couple of stories. Yeah, the uh, I remember when um, you were talking about women in aviation. I and this this is my experience. <laughs> no, the first time I heard, you know, I, you know, I, I went to Embry Riddle and and started working. I was a private pilot then and working on my commercial at Riddle. And um, my instructor was a guy by the name of Ed Yeager. I think he passed away. He's a great guy, but very very strict. Very he was a, he was a a major in the Air Force. He was a C one forty one captain. And very military, very by the book, very bum bum bum, and uh, you know, a good guy though. And uh, we're taxiing out one day, and um, and for the first time in my life, in you know, again, I was only, I was just a private pilot, not real experienced, but um, I heard a a woman air traffic controller. We were at Daytona Beach, and yes, you know, permission to taxi for takeoff or whatever, and and a woman yeah. controller responds, and I had never heard any woman on the at that point in my career uh, on a microphone, an airplane right. or a controller. Right. So, so I think Ed, uh, the instructor, saw my reaction, and he said, um, "Oh, don't don't you know how we respond to uh, women controllers?" I said, uh, "No." He said, "Little flower <laughs> in the tower, what's the runway of the hour?" No brother. <laughs> and then it doesn't it doesn't end there. And then I'm flying a then I'm getting then I get one of my first jobs in aviation, commercial jobs, and I'm flying along with the captain. And again, at, at this point, and this is in God, you know, way way back, and and uh, there were, as Margaret was saying, very very few women in, in aviation, and, and uh, you know, very rare. It's seldom you would hear a, a woman's voice on the microphone. And uh, so uh, well, I'll never forget because it's a, a woman uh, on a United jet checking in with the with the radar control center, and then the captain turned to me and said, uh, ah, "There goes another empty kitchen." And I was like, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there were okay. a lot of disparaging comments. Yeah, that, that uh, one was used quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty I, common. I, I, and I, I grew up in a house with, you know, a woman's rights and real liberal and go get them. And, you know, and my mom was an English professor and very liberal and all these women, you know, uh, household and friends that were all women. And so that's, I grew up in that environment. And to hear that from men, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, 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 it makes it cringe a little, doesn't it? It's pretty it, it, low it, class. They, 
Yeah, it, it is. It wasn't. The, they would also say there goes another another kid in childcare. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because there was a working. Oh wow. Oh yeah, it was wow. pretty. It was pretty bad. Margaret could tell you stories it, for hours. It was brutal. It was brutal uh, back when she started mm. uh, had, having passengers get off the airplane because she was one of the pilots. Yeah, that happened twice. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whoa. Commonplace in those days. It, it seems really wow. strange to think about things like that now, but that was that was actually going on. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, there were a lot of derogatory comments. A lot of. Um, it it was hard, you know. It was like it was like kind of being in a man's world as an outsider. It was uh, it was tough. Yeah. But I wow. think what helped me in the very beginning, um, when I was learning how to fly gliders, I, I actually learned in gliders first. The um, the designated pilot examiner, the DPE at the glider airport and, and in the Bay Area, was a woman. And mm, okay. I think having that as a role model really, really made you go, hey, you know, I can do this. So I, yeah. I think I think women need to get out there and sort of, you know, mentor or, or promote each other. And I think that that'll bring the numbers up a little. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. And I think, you know, yeah. it's interesting to see that progress in so many areas now of careers. And, and um, I just think, like you said, it's, it's slow within um, being a pilot, right? Um and so I find that so fascinating, the low percentage of, of women. I guess it's yeah. not something women are encouraged to be either, in all fairness, with the, the types of conditioning you have in family life and society. True. There's not many people saying, you know, go out there, yeah, be a pilot. Because that's such a cool yeah. thing. Right. I would love yeah. to do it. Really love to do it. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, isn't it funny? I, I, I'm not quite sure your age, but uh, I grew up thinking, you know, girls were nurses, boys were doctors, yeah. Yeah. You know, girls were flight attendants, and boys were pilots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that, but makes sense. Uh, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. If if you think about it, too, a flight attendant has the same schedule as a pilot, so you can't be using that as an excuse. You know, right. it takes you maybe a, a little more schooling, a, a little more... Um, well, you know, it takes you a good uh, 10 years to get to a major airline with your flying, but... Uh, yeah, wow. Yeah, schedule-wise, yeah, schedule there's no excuse for not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I think, though, this conversation is going to encourage some people, hopefully, any listeners out there, who, even if they're not interested in being pilots, they may know somebody who is interested in that type of thing, and just encourage them, say, hey, did you hear this couple? You oh, know? yeah. I think that would be amazing. And you, you've probably had that effect on people already. And, and, you know, knowing that we don't always realize the kind of effect that we have on people or society just from the littlest things that we do that seem like exactly. they're in our world. We're focused on them for ourselves, but we end up having that effect on other people. I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> you, you would also, I'd often, and, uh, you know, go ahead, Joe. And we, uh, we get a lot of people that write to us on the Instagram page, and, and I do try to answer everybody. I get a lot of young people writing in, yeah. asking mm-hmm. questions, asking advice. Because uh, I, I remember when we were in those, those shoes, Andy, you know, wanting mm-hmm. to fly and having questions about how I do it. And I, I always try to answer them because it's, I, I, I see them as me when I was 16 or whatever and wondering. And there were people that were happy to talk to me. So if I can do that for somebody that that's coming up, uh, I'm more than happy to do it. So. Well, here's oh, a cute little story. Um, when when 
uh, our youngest son was in first grade. I was one of the room moms, and um, one of the uh, teachers asked Billy if he wanted to be a pilot when he grew up, and he looked at her and he went, no, that's girls' work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? And I just, I just thought that was the funniest thing because that's all he ever knew was, well, Mommy kept going flying airplanes. It was a girl's job. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Uh, that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't you miss it, Andy? I do. I, I tell you something. I, I started another career while on furlough. I, I stood around, you know, at... Um, waiting for the phone to ring and waiting for my certified letter to come in the mail um, from a furlough, uh, flying, you know, flying jets and being fat, dumb and happy. That was my career. And I saw that's, that's what I was going to do and probably would have stayed with that one company my entire career. Um, and mm-hmm. little and, I, and we, they started furloughing and I, I felt bad for the, and I was starting to build up some seniority actually. And I felt bad for the folks at the bottom of the totem pole who just um, got hired recently, moved all sorts of plans, quit the previous whatever they were doing and uh, a month goes by and uh sorry um you know you're we're you know furloughed and I, and I felt bad um and i never thought it would reach as high as my seniority level i, I just even didn't right. consider it and then i remember yeah. meeting um another pilot we a few of us went to, to breakfast one morning before going to the airport to go to work and somebody from my class came in and i said alan man how you doing and he said, oh, man, I guess I'd be doing a lot better if we didn't get that furlough notice. And I was like, get the what? You don't know? And I was like, no. He said, this this is your last trip. I was like, what? Wow. What? Wow. I found that at breakfast, that this yeah. flight I was about to go on was my last trip. And I had, um, needless to say, I had a really good time that trip. <laughs> but but, but yeah. I made sure I said, uh, you know, we, 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 you know. But anyway, um, it was a total, total Total shocker. I had no idea. And and captains were being demoted to co-pilots, and the whole thing went down. And um, I mean, I even because I was uh, I was doing some other things with the company too. I was I had a, a before I came on board there, I, I uh, launched and operated a a weekend ground school company that prepared students to pass FAA written. You remember them, right? And I I'd, uh, I oh, yeah. Uh, I, I had a company called Aviation Ground Schools, which at the time was a very prominent player in that industry. And I had uh, it was actually. It was, it was a lot of fun. I, you know, downside to friends more than me because, hey, let's do something this weekend. I had to go teach. I had to go to Pittsburgh. I had to go here. I, I would teach 16 hours in two days, eight hours a day. Then the FAA would come in and I give me I went to one of those. Hey. They, <laughs> but, yeah, I um, <laughs> there we go. But I, I so I wrote the course. I, I put together the audiovisual presentations. I did a little facsimile tests. I mean, I was really into it and, and actually did enjoy it. Um, so when I got to uh, Executive Jet, um, you know, I was talking about my background and they said, well, you know, we're putting, we're improving our ground school and doing, you know, for our pilots, maybe you can help us. Cause it, at that time, it, their programs were not on slides. It was all manual instructions and writing things on boards, you know, on, on whiteboards. Oh, yeah. So I said, you know, why don't we, why don't we put a lot of this on, on 35 millimeter slides? I, I've got the equipment. I know how to do it. I know. And they said, sure, you know, come on in. And, and uh, so I started working in that along those lines and used to talk to management about the desire to perhaps, you know, I love flying, love the job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is a great job. But as I see my career, I would like to get more involved in, in operations, in management in teaching in coaching and whatever I can do to make the experience better, safer, enjoyable uh, as an instructor. I really love teaching. I like teaching. Um, and oh. they said, hey, Kimball. Yeah. 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 Definitely. 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 And, um, and then I got furloughed. 
and I, I was a real company man. I mean, people used to say, you, you know, I was, a, I was a company guy, you know, and even when it was, a, you know, we flew corporate jets and I used to get up and go in the back and, and talk to the, the passengers on board and walk them aboard and, you know, let, letting them know how, much, how passionate and how much we enjoyed doing this. And we couldn't do it if it weren't for them. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for your participation in our programs. And, uh, and I used to get pat on the back. So I used to get little, sometimes I'd say, Andy, thank you so much. We're, we're getting some great feedback. And, uh, you know, go, go have a dinner uh, with you and your whoever and, and send the bill to us. We'd be glad to reimburse you for a dinner of a place that you're choosing. And I, I, I really loved it. I mean, I really liked the whole environment. And bam, then I'm unemployed. Hmm. Then I got no job. Yeah. I'm totally out of work. Shock to the system. Yeah. Uh, un- unreal. Crazy. And so I sat around for the longest time waiting for the phone to ring. And then uh, unexpectedly, uh, you guys have met my wife, Susan. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, don't, don't be, Amanda, don't, Amanda's my internet wife. We've, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got no problem. I know you married. <laughs> Can we talk? You should hear some of our conversations. That's for another show. Anyway, so I show up at, at Sue's doorstep in Philadelphia with a couple more bags than I usually have. And she's like, uh, what's with the bags? And I said, we had this thing called like a furlough. Uh, and we had this open relationship. We were dating, but we were, you know. And she said, uh, uh, I said, so I'm kind of out of work for just, they said it'd only be a few months, a few months. I figured I'd come crash here. They said, you want to live here? Uh, yeah. We can return the carpet upside down. You know, like if I come home and the carpet's the other way, I'll know not to, you know, that kind of thing. I'm, or I can be yeah. in the back room or something, you know. But anyway, so uh, months go by and, and she'd go off to work every day and I'd strum the guitar. You know, get up in the morning, I'd play the guitar. She'd come home at night, I'm playing the guitar. So finally she said, uh, uh, look, you know, not about you, but my background is, you know, I don't, you, you work, you have, it's called work ethic. Like you just can't sit around every day and do nothing from your guitar. You, you go be a, a bartender, be a, do something, you know, or take that guitar of yours and get out there and, and, you know, explicit, explicative, make some money. So she bought me a microphone. I figured <laughs> Bob Boone could say, maybe I could. And um, and I go out and I start playing and I started getting and I did this uh, open mic type thing with with Sam Adams beer and a big Philly popular radio station called WXPN were co-sponsoring the showcase. And Sue came to me and said, you got to go play or you're, you can't live here anymore. I mean, she literally laid on the line. Your, 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 your clothes are on the sidewalk. You can't you know, if you don't get out and do something, I mean, you take, you take, play the guitar all the time. Just go out and play. So I played that one um, one evening, um, and to make a long story short, Sam Adams Beer folks came up to me and said, "Man, that was outstanding. What do you charge?" And I'm like, "Charge?" And I'm already, and, and you know, I'm already a, a year of no job, a year of being unemployed, of of doing, of sitting, you know. And I actually, oh, I had some friends. I don't know if I should say this or not, but I had some friends that flew for some other airlines that knew me real well that let me fly a jump seat. <laughs> so yeah. hey, you, just, you have your ID, just you know, and that's not that's a no no. We all know, you know they, they, that since nine eleven, that's you know, Trump seat as you guys know was, yeah. was, was pretty, pretty well shut off. off. Yeah, yeah, it's shut off. Yeah, but anyway, so I had some really really good friends that flew some major carriers that 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 would take you know if you want to just come fly, Andy, come come come. You know, we're going to California tomorrow. Come along with us. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> but anyway, wow. yeah, that was you know, but anyway, so. um I'd been a year unemployed and Sam Adams beer uh, hired me to do a whole bunch of shows for some very good money that led to a record deal. And then I got my certified letter to come back to work. And that was the most difficult 
time of my whole life. I mean, I just, uh, and especially the director of operations, you would call. I remember, I know his extension. Uh, he would call, and I'd sit and look at the phone ring, and I didn't answer it because I knew it was them. They needed an answer. Am I coming back or not? And I deferred it. You, know, oh, you guys yeah. might know when you, 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 you can defer, and then you have a year to go back. And, and, but if, yeah. they have yeah. Recall, yeah. if you recall everybody and they hire the outside, well, you got to go back or lose whatever. Uh, so right. yeah, that was done. They're hiring on the outside. Kimball, you're coming back. And I, oh. didn't, I couldn't answer the phone. I, and I hear the tape. Kimball, Smith here. <laughs> you coming back? We got to hear from you, man. Come on. Oh, Are you coming uh, back? That's a tough one. Come yeah. on. And it was, very, very. Yeah. And then I had some business things gone, you know, and, and got into sailing. And, and then I, I, what the deciding factor for me was I went to a, a folk club that just about sold out where I was playing. And I went to the back of the venue. Uh, There's about a hundred and some people there. And I'm, I'm looking at my guitars on stage, I'm looking at the back of everybody's head and, and thinking to myself, these people paid $15 a head to share an experience of life with me so we can create a meaningful experience together. And, you know, they paid to come see me on stage for an hour. And I'm like, wow, wow. You know, um, you, know you can't yeah, take my experience away. You can't take my licenses away. If this doesn't work, you know, I'll try to find a job in a flying somewhere. And it took off. And I never looked back. I mean, I did, so, so getting back to the question is, do I miss it every day? I mean, I'm seriously, yeah. you, I mean, you, yeah. you guys did it. And you've probably only been out of work for a few months and you know what it's like. So imagine me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so, and I never <laughs> got to do, and I always thought someday I would do what you guys are doing. I never had that opportunity. I never, you know, I never flew that big heavy jet. I, I flew corporate jets and, you know, flown a bunch of them, but that was a whole lot of fun, I must say. But, um, oh, and, and, and yeah. a note. But look at it this quick. way. Yeah, go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. Look at it this way, Andy. I can't play the car, guitar. My whole social life here is with the, I, I met a, uh, through the boat sailing, I met a, um, a jet blue captain has been there 14 years and Dan, uh-huh. he's a real good buddy of mine and he has to be body pay. You know, I, 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 we're Dan and we, our host, we hang out a lot together and have a lot of fun and he loves music and, and, uh, you know, he keeps me up to date on the industry and kind of keeps me connected and has introduced me to a lot of his friends. So we all, you know, my whole, I have a whole social life here of jet blue guys. So um, some of them have come out to see me play, and, and Dan told me one time, he says, i got to tell you something. I would give up my licenses, my career, my job to do what you do and see what you do on stage for one hour. I would give up. You know, I, I am talentless, and I'm like, no, you're not. You know, but, oh. but I do. Oh. And here, here's, the pro- here's the problem with my career uh, is that – and I, I toured extensively. I was doing 200 shows a year at one point, and I played major festivals. I played with oh. some major artists. I played – you know, I had an incredible nine-piece backing band for a while, and, and it's been amazing. It's been and, – and, and, you know, financially rewarding as well. I mean, I, it's, been, it's been good. And um, the problem with the, with the gig is that when you go to work as a performing artist, as a, as a musician, your show – I've played three-hour shows, but that's rare, but I have done it. But the average show is about an hour, an hour and a half, and there's 24 hours in a day. And then you're done. And mm-hmm. I, I might go to the airport and get on the plane, and at that point with my guitar on the overhead, I, I'm like, you know, we're taxiing out, we're taking off. I'm like, damn, you know, shit, you know, man, you know. <laughs> then, I get up, then I'm on stage, and it's wonderful being on stage, but then I'm, in an hour, it's over. And now what? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, yeah I, can, right. I can understand that. So, so I yeah. miss it. I, I don't have any. Re- well, I, I shouldn't say I don't have any regrets. I do have occasional regret, but 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 for the most part, you know, I'm very happy with the way my career turned out and and spent a lot of time. Uh, well, aren't we lucky? 
Yes. I mean, yes. We're, we're all lucky here. We're, we we loved whether it was flying or entertaining or playing the guitar or talking on the radio. I mean, that's yeah. that's the key to life, isn't it? It's it, it, oh, yeah. yeah. it, it truly yeah. it truly is. Out of all yeah. the places you guys have traveled, um, either individually or as a couple, what what sticks out as wow, that was wonderful. I'd love to go back. You know, a lot of people always ask us, what's what's your favorite place to go? And, you know, every all the cities that we were traveling to together, mainly the main European cities, I mean, we had done, we had gone to uh, Beijing and, and, you know, Asia a couple of times, but we, we just preferred Europe. Um, I would say every city has its thing that either makes it famous or outstanding or fun or, you know, you have a great experience. And a lot of times the, the, the great experience is because you're with people that you have a great time with, but yeah, we did. We loved, loved, loved going to Athens. Yeah. And we did wow. it. It was a seasonal service, so we did Athens all summer yeah. long. And you know, we know some of the people that live there, some of the the airline people. Um, it's just a. We just really enjoyed being there, and we missed it last summer because they they never started service there, and that was really kind of a bummer. But mm. um, that was really fun. But you know, we all the cities. We went to Paris, and we we toured the. Uh, Notre Dame about two weeks before it burned. Mm. Uh, oh, did the whole thing, wow. you know, and that was yeah. heartbreaking when we saw the fire because we were just there, you know. Um, right. But all the cities have something that's that's good, you know. Yeah. Well, we've been yeah. to Tel Aviv, and that was fascinating. Tel Aviv. We did all the tours in Tel Aviv. Oh, and Istanbul yeah. and the, yeah. the Grand Bazaar. I mean, you go to all the hot spots, and it's so hard to pick sometimes. Right. Rome and you know, Rome is Rome. It's got everything yeah, there. Yeah. Milan. Milan and Frankfurt, uh, Amsterdam. Yeah. Amsterdam. Amsterdam wow. was my second home for years. And really? Dublin and London. Oh yeah, Dublin. Yeah. We have friends there too. Yeah. <laughs> don't be mad. We love it there too. Yep. Uh, I'm not mad. So. I'm not mad. <laughs> yeah, Amanda, okay. Amanda's, Amanda's got a great view of the Eiffel Tower. Is that where you're at? I think I mean, or is that the wrong? Um, no, that's okay? Andy. No, darling, that's France. France. I'm sorry. Okay. France. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Andy, you, know, you got to get out uh, more often. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say. No, I live. About I live right. Two hours away from London, so um, I'm very blessed to oh, okay. experience the beauty of the Cotswolds in the UK, but also be close enough to, to visit London and the other big cities. So I feel very blessed in that sense. Yeah, <laughs> it's always great. Hey, I did my yeah. uh, my Airbus 320 training in Gatwick. It was the oh, the did. first lady to fly the A320. Yeah, really. Yeah. Back when there was back when there was an airline called British Caledonia. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Go on. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this one. <laughs> British Columbia, yeah. yeah. And they, so most of your experience, Margaret, has been on the um, Airbus-type aircraft, with it, which have, uh, folks, they have a, uh, equivalent to a joystick as opposed to the typical, what you think of a, of a control wheel. There's a stick on the side, right? You kind of control it uh, with right. the right. stick. Right, right. Is that, was that, right. that what's that like? Well, when I learned to fly gliders, the gliders all had um, control sticks as well. Um, so it was a, it was a nice, easy transition, but I started out in the DC nine, I threw the twin otters like you did then the, yeah. uh, the DC nine at Republic and the DC 10 was, was also a you know, conventional control aircraft. Yeah. But I, 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 I prefer the, the side stick is great. Yeah. And guy and people that transition from, uh, from the, uh, the old school yokes 
they mm-hmm. it, it's a pretty quick transition. You'd be surprised at how uh, ergonomic it feels. I mean, it it feels really natural. It feels good, like the way it should. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, I heard it. It, it feels intuitive. I heard it feels intuitive. And Joe, uh, in addition to being a a captain on the A330, Joe is a, a Czech airman, right? You were an instructor on the A330, correct? You, you yeah, taught other I pilots. Would, uh, I would take the pilots that have just come out of ground training and the simulator and flying, and I would fly with them on their first couple trips uh, as an instructor. So I would have, if it was a new captain, I would sit in the right seat. The captain would sit in the left seat. And uh, co-pilots, I would just have them as as my co-pilot. And we'd fly a couple of trips and get them their initial, they call it initial operating experience. And then I would sign them off that, okay, you finished your training, you did a good job, and away you go. Mm. Um, or also give give pilots uh, we call them line checks. Just I would ride along and observe the operation as they flew the airplane, and then if there were any issues, I could point that out, or we'd talk about new things coming up on along the line. So, uh, and then re- basically recertify them every two years. Uh, you would have mm. a, a check airman ride along and, and uh, watch how you know how they're doing. You know, um, along with new captains after a new captain got on the airplane six months later we'd ride with them just to see if you know they had any issues that had developed or hey there's something awfully screwy going on around here answer any questions and you know make sure they're operating the way that the company wants them to operate so that was not a bad gig (laughs) nice uh, people people get to know who you are you know Mm-hmm. I noticed that you guys were doing the rescue uh, missions for the dogs and, and cats that needed homes. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we were in Paris on a layover once, and, uh, you know, my Instagram page had begun to uh, get kind of popular, and uh, people would write yeah. to me, and, and this guy writes me a note, and he says, hey, if you're ever in L.A. for a little while, let me know, and we'll go fly in my airplane. And he had a pretty nice airplane, good-sized twin-engine airplane which is what? not the common airplane that somebody would have, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't know about this guy. And, I, you know, of course, I'd never met him. And Margaret looked him up and everything and sounded pretty interesting. I said, well, let's go look at the airplane anyway. And so we go out to uh, mm-hmm. Hawthorne Airport there in L.A. And yeah. there he is waiting for us. And he's ready to go. And we end up hopping in the airplane. He flew us up to Santa Barbara. And we went out for the evening and flew back to L.A. and had a great time. Well, I think mm-hmm. what intrigued us was that he, he was talking about what he did on the side, he um, he had a full-time job, but he flies uh, dogs mostly, but pets uh, that are in kill shelters or rescued animals, and he finds yeah. he flies them to areas where there are foster homes and adoptive oh. homes. And right. I mean, we love the idea of that. So, so we figured That's he was going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we got we got to know him. We got to know yeah. him, and then uh, Margaret Margaret flew out to L.A. Uh, once. I think I had a check ride coming up. Yeah. She flew to L.A., and she did a trip with him. His name is Julian, and his organization is called Pet Rescue Pilots, hmm. which is a foundation wow. that he started out of L.A. to mm-hmm. do this animal rescue. Mm-hmm. And um, now it's a, it's a charitable organization and everything. And That's a lot incredible. of his trips are from, a lot of his trips are from, well, L.A. or the southwestern U.S., taking these dogs and cats or whoever up to uh, Canada where there's actually a shortage of adoptable pets because they have much stricter spay and neuter laws up there. Right. So there's, there's a, there's a need for people want the pets. So he he transports them on his own, on his own dime 
Well, wow. he does some fundraising. Well, he does fundraising now, but he started out on his own yeah. dime, uh, just completely funding it himself, which is not cheap, and uh, flying these animals just out of the goodness of his heart oh, up to him. Canada or wherever else they were going to go. So that was a trip Margaret did with him. Flew up to wow. Calgary? Calgary. Up Everyone to Calgary, to Calgary. yeah. So um, there's them and everything, and we, we talked to him quite often. And then uh, about people. the time... Yeah, that other country in North America. Yeah, that other North American country. About the time... <laughs> We retired. Uh, Julian had picked up a, uh, a mission where uh, there was an organization. I can't remember the name of the organization. International. Uh, Bag, uh, Baghdad. Yeah, it was called Operation Baghdad. Operation Baghdad. It was the Humane Society. Yeah, the International Humane Society. Yeah. So what? there were all these dogs, mainly strays or whatever, that soldiers, U.S. soldiers had more or less adopted while they were stationed over in the Middle East. Yeah. Well, these soldiers had returned home, and somebody gathered up all these dogs, which sort of like their pets while they're over there, and they chartered yeah. a, a jet and flew them to New York, um, where wow. there's a holding wow. area for animals at, J- at JFK Airport. Well, Julian was contracted to come out with his plane, fly out from L.A. in this small twin-engine plane, and then distribute these dogs to the smaller airports to deliver them to the soldiers who had come home. Oh. As it turns out, uh, while he was there, his airplane had some issues for a week or so, and but he's waiting to get it fixed. And uh, in the meantime, we're coming in on our last retirement flight. So he got to be there for our, re- our arrival for our retirement flight. So it was kind oh, of fun nice. that he was there, too. No, oh, you know, we had a party and everything. So yeah. then a couple of days later, we're sitting at home, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going to kick back for a while. I'm retired. I'm just <laughs> putting my feet up and just chill. I get a phone call. Joe, I need a co-pilot. My co-pilot had to go home. He couldn't stay. Can you make the trip with me? So I oh said, sure, gosh. I'll go with you. So he came and picked me up, and we loaded up a bunch of dogs and a few cats, and we flew them uh, from JFK out to Michigan and then down to, was it Tennessee, I think, somewhere? Tennessee. Yeah, you're dropping these off as soldiers, and Ohio. then and it's going out all the way out to L.A. with the last dog, you know, these and these uh, yeah. kind of like desert dogs. They weren't, like, you couldn't identify the breed. They were just sort of well, were mixed, mixed yeah. breed dogs, you know, and, yeah. and delivering them to these soldiers who would come home. So that was really, really cool. Oh, you know? and, what a great uh, thing. So we would, we would have been talking about doing a couple more trips. I mean, he's the one doing the trips. We, we come along for the ride and, you know, fly yeah. the airpline and everything. Oh, but, kinda, you, know, you know, give him a little break. Yeah, give him some break. And we're <laughs> friends with his family and everything now. So we would like to do cool. that some more. Um, to what degree, we're not quite sure yet. But uh, but he's got such yeah. a good organization going. We, we try to support him when we can and, and put out the word. Oh. So Andy, you should take a trip beautiful. with him. Yeah, Andy, you can set, I can set you up. You can take a flight with yeah. him. Yeah. Let's do it. He's, and he's a musician. Yeah. He's a well, musician, too. See? These crazy things happen on the Andy Demanda Show, folks. No, really, this would be wonderful. <laughs> I know. Right. I, I appreciate it. So seriously, uh, that would be great. That would be really, I'd, I'd uh, really enjoy that. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah. really appreciate it. Well, when <laughs> we come out, next time we come out to L.A., we'll all get together. Yeah, well, that would be that would be really terrific. Yeah. That would be really terrific. Yeah, hey, what, your yeah. last flight, like, your, your last landing. And I'm, I, that's on yeah. like, folks you see it on U- video. There's on YouTube. Um, there's yeah. some, some, several, several of them, I believe. But uh, talk to us about like your whole year of crying, uh, flying, and then crying at the end. <laughs> you're, you're, I mean, it's a long, <laughs> a long flying go. and crying. Yeah. It, it was Andy, a long. This is, after that video, I said, "Well, now the whole world knows what a crybaby I am." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had good reason, sweetheart. You know. <laughs> 
our last trip was our last trip and we knew it was going to be our last trip. And we, we were actually lucky that we knew when our last trip was going to be because they had stopped flying so much that quite a few people retired, not knowing that their last flight was their last trip. Wow. So, and, and traditionally in okay. airlines, when you have your last trip, they make a big deal out of it and you can bring your family along and blah, blah, blah. And they give you the water salute where they shoot the fire trucks come out and they shoot the water over your plane and stuff. Well, we're retiring in the middle of the Beautiful. pandemic here, and uh, I kind of asked about it. I said, hey, did you know, any chance of getting this water salute? Because, you know, you always think that when you retire, you're going to get this water salute. And they said, oh, we're not doing that. We're not doing that anymore. And I was mm. like, I was pretty bummed out about it. But uh, we kind of went round oh. and round. And, uh, so anyway, we landed in Kennedy on our last trip, and uh, as we're coming around, you have to come, come around the end of a terminal and, and make a turn and for parking. And uh, there were the fire trucks. And um, it was kind of a shock to me. You know, I couldn't mm. believe it that, yeah. that they were there after we were just told in no uncertain terms, no, it's not going to happen. Well, it was because of COVID. Well, they didn't want to, you know, yeah. put the firefighters into a close proximity for a non-emergency event. Yeah, that was the official story. Yeah, but some oh, of okay. our friends there at the airport and airport operations yeah. a lot of strings. We made some wonderful friends at JFK Airport. You think of JFK as being this big impersonal airport, but it's, yeah. it's almost more like a small town. It's our favorite airport. <laughs> we know people really? in the tower. We know people that work on the ramp, yeah. you know. So yeah. um, they're just a really good group of people. and It's a super great community. It's kind of close-knit. You'd be surprised. Yeah. And yeah. okay. one person there who we had never met till that day, I think, went to extraordinary measures to push and push and push. And they told us that when we were 10 miles from the airport coming into land, that's when they finally approved it. So wow. there were the fire trucks. Wow. You know, and, and of course, incredible. the guys on the, on the ground, they all got video and pictures and everything. And that's kind of what made me lose it. <laughs> so, oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. It was, sort of the, it was sort of the thing like, you know, they did this for us, you know. But he did, he did have one of his best landings ever. Yeah, it wasn't so bad. It was a really nice one. Mm. Good to have mm. him landing. And it's on video. <laughs> oh. You know, it's, it, what's, yeah. what's amazing, as you guys well know, is that you could work your, your, your behind off keeping a flight smooth and comfortable for hours on end. But, and, oh, yeah. And I had a great flight. But... You know, God forbid, it bounce a little bit or, or drop in a little too hard on that landing. Oh, wow, a horrible pilot. Yeah. Oh, man, it was, oh, boy. Was that oh. Terrible flight. <laughs> terrible flight. <laughs> terrible. And, and, the, uh, and, the, and the flip side of that is you can have the roughest, worst flight of your whole career going through storms and bumping and, you know, just spilling everything on the passengers and you grease the landing. They're like, oh, that was such a nice flight. Works <laughs> 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 yeah, both ways. It, it does. It, it, it really does. And how many, uh, how many times you see a passenger say, "Well, how how was the ride? Did you like it?" And they come back with catastrophe. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my well, God. Yeah, you know, we try our best, you know. We you know, we, we try. Yeah. Or, or, or did you ever get you know when you're welcoming passengers on board? Something I used to do quite often when passengers would come, I would say uh, something like, uh, "Why have you come here?" Yes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have queued or, up my sound effects for this interview. Or, or if they, or they right? complain, if they complain about, oh, this is a horrible flight, then you just come back and say, uh, I promised you nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
You're a sick man. <laughs> I'm glad somebody's actually said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. Uh, watch out, Doc. Well, we're figuring that out. You know, funny for this. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Yeah. We're trying our best. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So, um, there's a caller who called in. I'll see if I can get back to him. I had a question here. And let okay. me see if I can get that. It's a call. Are you there? Go, go, go ahead with your question for for Captain Joe Fahan. Have you ever served in an infantry unit, son? <laughs> you know, was that the movie that Billy was talking about? Billy Billy showed his girlfriend that movie. They said, "You got to watch this movie. It's really funny." And uh, she's like, "I don't get it. It's not funny. It could not be funny." <laughs> I know it's poor Joe, um, all prepped, ready for a caller, and then uh, we just land this clip on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Yeah. yeah well, okay. You know. You know. Wow. We try wow. our best. We're trying our best. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, Amanda, you got to restrain this guy. Uh, darling, I try. Oh, I love it. You know, it, we, it, I we, just can't uh, seem to do it. Um, you know. <laughs> hey, Joe. Did you hear this? You know, we're talking about. Uh, um, you know, flying and, and cabin announcements and so forth. And this is a, take a listen right. to this. This is kind of a fun. You may have heard this one, Joe. You may have, here we go. Good afternoon. This is your captain speaking with just a little flight information. Coming up on the left, we're going to be catching a glimpse of the Grand Canyon. On the right, you can be able to see the Hooper Dam in just a few minutes. We're flying at an altitude of 37,000 feet, and our airspeed is 400 miles an hour. A couple little facts here. I'm packing a Colt King Cobra. That's a 357 caliber firearm with a black rubber grip and a six-inch barrel. Also, the co-pilot is carrying a Kimber Custom Defense pistol with all the bells and whistles you'd expect from a custom gun of that kind with an alloy frame and bevel treatment on the entire gun. And our chief flight attendant, Roger, has a Ruger Barracata 22 with a hand-fluted cylinder. All three are capable of piercing body armor at a distance of up to 27 feet. And it can put a hole in human bone and flesh the size of the Grand Canyon, which, by the way, is coming up on the left-hand side of the plane. So just sit back and relax and enjoy the rest of the flight. <laughs> I've not heard that one in a while. Yeah, that's a good one. That's clever. That's clever. Um, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Anyway, this is the Angie Demandio Show, folks. We are here on Block Talk Radio with a chime-in number anytime. It's 515-605-9888. You can also get hold of us, as many do, with your questions, comments, suggestions at Andy and Amanda. What's our – what is it? And, um, hmm. uh, yes, Colin? Uh, what's our – how do people get hold of us? Oh, it's, it's Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Andy and Amanda Show at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and we have – I'm glad there's an adult in the room. <laughs> I, I try. <laughs> I do have my moments, Jim. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but, but, um, no, but seriously, uh, Andy and Amanda show at gmail dot com, and you can also look for us on on uh, 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 our uh, <laughs> Facebook, the Andy and Amanda show, Instagram, the Andy and Amanda uh, show, Twitter, Twitter, Andy Twitter, and Amanda too. All those yeah. things. All yeah. those things. Yeah. And we have a website coming up too. It's going to be done soon too. That's kind of we cool. Do. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. we do. We do. We do. It's, it's going to be in cool. the works. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. How it's going to look well, on your This is the way it is. It is. <laughs> but anyway, we, we want to thank um, our, our guests have been uh, Joe Fahan and his wife, uh, Margaret Fahan, who have uh, traveled the world together uh, uniquely as a uh, husband and wife flight crew flying. Did you ever figure out how many passengers you guys actually have flown in your careers? I mean, it's in the thousands or tens you know, of thousands. Some, there were a few people that kept track of that. Uh, you know, all I can say is that the, probably the last 10 years, almost every flight's been full. So I guess you could just multiply your flights by about, I don't know, 300 and uh, come up with a pretty adult number. It's, it's, wow. it's high into the thousands of between the two of you. Oh, yeah. 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 We used to get a printout at the end of every year showing, um, well, not only how many crossings you made, well, uh, ocean crossings or whatever flights, and and how many, um, oh, what was it? Oh, how many miles you've traveled? And, wow. Uh, okay. It was a, it was a pretty big number. Yeah, I don't know why they had that. You know, it's not like we were getting uh, airline points for it or anything, but it was it was a lot. <laughs> we should figure that out. Yeah, it, it would be a little bit of a math problem, but you could figure it out. I, I think most years, on a, on a typical year, I think I had between 90 and 100 ocean crossings. My so, God. Whoa. And I didn't, I didn't work, I didn't work uh, as much as some people worked. You know, there were guys out there, <laughs> pilots there trying to maximize everything, and I was never one of those. I, I had a schedule and you know, I had well, market, had market flying too. We had we had a life outside the airline, so it wasn't like yeah. I was trying to work every day. But it was still a lot of flying. There's people who've had far fewer ocean crossings. Like um, I don't know, uh, Lindbergh had one. <laughs> well, I had to come back. <laughs> you know what I'm That's saying? True. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty routine. But, so uh, after a while, I guess I guess I was going to ask that. Is it pretty routine? I mean, that's a lot of hours. I mean, was it? That's a lot of time up there, just you know, waiting, it is. Uh, clicking down the miles, clicking down the time. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. But you know, mm-hmm. you get to you get to see things people don't get to see. I mean, flying over Greenland and over Iceland, and the, the Northern Lights are a common sight, and uh, mm. wow. you know, just seeing some of the major parts of the world that are even scenic from seven miles up, you know. Oh, yeah, well, the uh, Alps. Yeah, the Alps yeah. and the, the, the glaciers oh, of right. Greenland and icebergs wow. and, uh, yeah, um, all kinds of stuff, you name it. You know, flying down the, the boot of Italy and flying over the Greek islands and, uh, you know. You know, that's uh, all that makes me Milan. nervous. So that makes me what nervous. Makes you nervous? Um, <laughs> the idea of, uh, I imagine, flying a plane in uh, a thunderstorm. Uh, with lightning and things like that. You know, you see in the movies, right. of course, you know, us passengers, and you think, wow, what, would, what must it be like for a pilot to experience that? In um, What was it like for you guys, from your experiences? Is it flying in bad weather? Like yeah. That? It was busy. It's, it's busy. Yeah. <laughs> and quite honestly, we, most of our effort goes into avoiding those kind of storms and going around them. Um, you know, you do get in some bad weather every now and then, but... Uh, as far as thunderstorms, uh, you know, we wouldn't fly through them. We'd go around them. But, uh, you know, flying up and down the East yeah. Coast um, between New York and Florida, 
at night. Boy, it was a light show oh, sometimes. Yeah. Like yeah. Andy Whoa. knows that. Just the yep. amount yeah. of thunderstorms yeah. and lightning. Yeah, you're coming down to Florida, and now there's that line of thunderstorms, and you've got you're to land in the airport underneath there. Deviating and you know taking headings around, and you never really have a straight path. <laughs> yeah, there's some anxious yeah. moments. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, I, I always tell people, you know, don't forget we're up there too. <laughs> you know, we we well. want to land safely as well as you do. Right. So, yes. Yes. We're, we're not going to take the chances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. I mean, that's what, that's what people people ask us if we're if we're nervous because we have 300 people behind the door, you know, behind us. Yeah. Not really, because cool. we're on the airplane. You know, we want to stay flat yeah. as much as anybody. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter to me if the airplane's empty or full of people. Yeah. Yeah. You, know? you want to, you want to smooth ride as much as anybody. I used to say, you know, I would take right. a. I would take a day with uh, low IFR and smooth flying every step of the way than a, a perfectly clear day with a whole lot of turbulence. I just, you know, I would, I would oh, rather have smooth, smooth flight, you know, easy peaches, and then getting bounced to Because like you were saying, um, you know, it's, it's no more comfortable for the pilots than it is the passengers. It's, you know, no right. 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 And, um, you know, we get, yeah. we, get, we get bounced around, we start feeling like a... Well, some of them maybe. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and Crazy. then you have, you know, and, then, and then you go, you know, these landings. You know, how many, how many attempts do you have in landing? First, the second, the third. <laughs> and then you're kind of, then you're kind of done. You know what I mean? You kind of, yeah. Right. Then you go land already. You know, time to go home. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Fly the floor to Andy. Folks, step right up. Anything you wanted to know. Next. Yeah. Uh, That's so, right. Yeah. There we go. But you, you know, actually, uh, you know. Uh, I have to go out, and I will not be back until after sundown tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So keep the... <laughs> <laughs> so, Good to know, Andy. Good to know. Thank you. Thank you. But really, folks, uh, we want to thank our guests, um, Joe and Margaret Fay. And this has been a blast, guys. We've got to do it again. You gotta, you know, we come, really come have. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, it's good to talk to both of you. Yeah. Oh, thank you so yeah. much. It's an actual pleasure meeting you after hearing so much about you from Andy. <laughs> See, see, oh, all good things, all good things. <laughs> yeah, and um, and really, we'll well, we'll do this again. Amanda, and uh, yeah. good. Yes, darling. Amanda, drop drop me a uh, a note on uh, my Instagram account, so I know your uh, your account. Oh, wonderful! You, you know what I mean? So I will do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just drop, drop me a note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I already know who Andy is. <laughs> Oh, 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 no, no respect, you know what I mean? None. Uh, None. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. It ain't easy being me. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, let me, let me tell you a quick, let me tell you a quick story about Andy from our past. Uh, oh, please, Andy, do, Andy, please Andy, do. Andy, Andy was known to go MIA every now and then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He had, uh. He had other things to do sometimes, and I remember this <laughs> okay, little, okay. little little commuter airline. One day the phone rings, and it's our chief pilot. And he was a real gruff, you know, kind of a mean guy, <laughs> grumpy. And yeah. I, I picked up the phone. I said hello, and 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 Jack's on the other side, the other line, and he says, "Have you seen Kimball?" <laughs> I said, "What? Have you seen Kimball?" No, Jack, I don't know where he is. I haven't seen him in a couple of days. Oh, click, and he'd hang up. <laughs> oh. 
I, I remember one time, and, and, and Joe had this crash pad down in uh, New Jersey. What, uh, Stone, near Stone Harbor or somewhere? I forget where it was. It's, uh, yeah, it came, uh, near Wildwood, I think it was. Yeah. Wildwood. Right outside of, yeah, right outside of Wildwood, yeah. Yeah, and I used to yeah. go, and Joe would allow me to crash there. Uh, I commute sometimes from from Philadelphia, and um, and we had to wear, wear this uniform. And I I I, just, I had this thing about uniforms my whole life. I never used to wear my hat. I remember Joe. I used to get so much flack. Where's your hat? Where's your hat? And I had longer uh-huh. hair back yeah. then too. But anyway, um, so one time on my way driving down for a flight, and I didn't stay over the night before, and I and, I, and halfway down to to Cape May where where we were based. And uh, I realized I did not have my uniform jacket. It was in the winter months we had to have this jacket, I think it was. But anyway, I didn't have it. So um, I stopped at, uh, at, at Joe's. I said, Joe, I forgot my coat, my jacket. Oh, my God. And Joe's quite a bit taller than I am. Yeah. Here, I got, here, here's, here, take this. Here, just, just use this one. Here, take this. Take this. Go, 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 go. So, you gotta, so the arms, now, now you got to remember, I had longer hair. Cause I, you know, I play guitar and I did other things like Joe was saying. And, I, you know, I had this flying job. And um, so uh, we were flying into like Philadelphia International Airport and, and you know, the airports and, and, um, and I had this jacket that looked like an old man's long raincoat with the sleeves hanging way down, be- <laughs> you know, way down beneath my hands. And yeah. I never forget some, and I'm at the uh, counter there checking the you know, passenger manifest or whatever. And I remember, I'll never forget this. So I'm, I'm like this little kid playing pilot, right? The big the <laughs> jacket was obviously way too big for me. Yeah. And this lady came up to me and said, excuse me, Sarah, Sarah, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, yes, ma'am, how can I help you? Um, I'm just making sure you're not the pilot, are you? <laughs> I, want, I want my money back. You look like a little boy in a man's suit. Those are the and days. I'll, I'll you one time, I, I know we're running short of time. I've got just uh, stories here real quick. We were, you got to remember, these are these are twin honors. These are uh, are 20, 19 passenger jet props, and they you know short flights up and down. And uh, so a lot of passengers who got on this plane to go, to, let's say, to Atlantic City, for example, would be coming off a larger airline. They'd be coming from different places, flying these passenger jets across the country. They go to Philadelphia, and all they see is in their ticket is the connecting flight number. They don't know what kind of plane they're going to get on necessarily. So they figured they're going to get another, you know, 727 or whatever it might be to take them to the next destination, not really putting together. You know. So uh, we'd be out quite often at the air stair door where passengers board welcoming the passengers aboard. So as I'm there one day, I remember this breezy day, this windy day, this elderly lady is walking out towards the airplane, slowly looking at her ticket, look at the airplane. Obviously can't believe that she's going to get on this thing. She takes a few yeah. more steps and pauses, <laughs> a few more steps and pauses. And she finally makes her way up the stairs. And I looked at her and I said, Phoenix, ma'am. She turns around now. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why that's why I'm on the radio now. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we got a roll, folks. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, Joe, Margaret, we'll be in touch for sure. And and again, thank okay. you so yes. much for coming on board. And I want to thank you very much for joining our show today. And for that, you get a prize. Um, oh no! Uh oh! Ooh! Well, first we gotta ask. We gotta ask. Wait a minute. Uh, what is your porn fantasy, man?
and oh then we'll just. That's tune in, guys. Run now. <laughs> the next, the next yeah. Andy and Amanda show. Stay tuned for the next Andy and Amanda show. Joe, Margaret, thank you again for being our guest. We really do appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Fun talking to you guys. Take care, guys. Right. Take care now. So bye bye. So long. Bye. So, uh, Amanda, that was a fun show. What yeah. a fun conversation. Um, it was. And um, we'll do it again. Look forward to having them, um, you know, back on with us. And, God, we did cover some news. We talked about some things. We, we'll have a weekend ahead of us and wish everybody a safe, pleasant, happy experience over the weekend. Our coronavirus numbers, I know we have a couple minutes. Just got to say real quick because we do every show. New Go for it. Go for it. 492 people yesterday, about 1,500, day before about 1,500, averaging about 1,500 deaths a day. These are human beings that are dying in the U.K., 70 people so far today, and about they're averaging about, um, oh, not bad, actually, yesterday, 63, day before 98. But anyway, the virus is still with us, so you got to wear a mask, be safe, get vaccinated, great thing. Amanda, take us home. Okay, my darling. Well, on behalf of Andy Kimball in California, Hollywood, and myself, Amanda Love in the UK, thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed the interview with the Payhands. And uh, have an amazing weekend, and you know the usual. Stay safe and keep smiling, and uh, do the right thing for yourself and everyone else. And join us again on Monday, and uh, we should have an interesting show. We'll try our best. You know what we we need everybody to do? (laughs) You know what we need everybody to do? Everybody? What's that? Everybody say orgasm loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Say it with us. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. A- absolutely. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, 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 and remember this, you know. You absolutely, if you play golf, if you play tennis or whatever you do, you have to make time for sex. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently so. Apparently so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you cover that over the weekend. <laughs> over the week- May you have a very safe and uh, and um, uh, whatever. You know, have a good weekend and uh, you know, stay sober, stay safe. Restaurants are opened up a little bit. I don't know about there. Here's their 25% capacity. Oh, no, not here. Oh, not there yet. We'll talk about that more next week on the next Andy and Amanda show. Take care, everybody. Have a good weekend. Bye, everyone. Love ya.